0: Jesus, we lift your name on high. We uh, join with heaven as we declare, holy, holy, holy is our Lord God Almighty. Because Jesus, it is all about you. If it wasn't all about you, then there would be no point in coming here. You are the source of everything that we have, the source of salvation, the source of life. You sustain us, you intercede for us. So we dedicate everything that we do, not just in this service, but in our entire lives, dedicated it to you. Mm -hmm. Work in us so that we may glorify you and lift your name on high. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you, guys. Do I need to release the chaos of children? (laughs) (laughs) Children, you are excused. You may go. Hi. As we're doing all that, as we're doing all that, I will say I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, and I really don't pay much attention to football because the Dodgers don't play football. But I did hear that a San Francisco team is playing, so uh, go whoever's playing against San Francisco. I can't, I can't do it. Go Chiefs. I can't, I can't. I can't, I'll throw up in my mouth if I start rooting for a San Francisco team. <laughs> Sorry. That, that's about as political as I'm going to get up here, okay, guys? If San Francisco is playing, hopefully, so whoever they're playing against, I hope they win. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, sacrilege... <laughs> Are we looking at the 49ers Bible? Is that what we're doing? (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I repent of my sins. I dared to say such a word. Um, So what we've been doing uh, for quite a while, we've been going through Acts, and we finally got back to it. But last week, we really kind of looked at Paul standing before this angry crowd of, of Jews within the temple. And they're mad at him because they're falsely accusing him of bringing a Gentile into the temple. And this, again, is a huge no-no because there are certain spots um, within the temple. There is something called the Court of the Gentiles, which is the outermost part of the temple at the time. And that's as far as Gentiles were allowed to go. So they were the furthest away from the presence of God at the time because within the Holy of Holies at the time was God's presence. And so people were accusing Paul because he was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles of bringing in a Gentile and letting him out into the innermost part of the temple where Gentiles were not allowed. And so um, the Roman garrison comes. They kind of have to break things up. And Paul actually asked to speak to these group of people. And what he does is he speaks to them in their language. He speaks the Hebrew language. And he starts telling people how he came to Christ. Why he's such a believer in Jesus. And how he originally was on his way to Damascus to continue his mission of persecuting Christians and actually killing them. Until he had a powerful encounter with Christ Jesus on the road to Damascus which completely changed the course of his life. He was going one way, he meets Jesus, he goes a completely different way. Oh, I'm going to knock that over. Um, But where at one point he was going to eradicate the name of Jesus, he is now the biggest proponent of the name of Jesus. And even at the risk of his own persecution, the risk of his own life. And the things that we really learned is when you believe in Jesus... Yes, Jesus will bless you. Yes, you have eternal life. Yes, to a certain extent, your life will get better. But there are things in this world that you will, in fact, lose. There was no earthly reason for Paul to come to Jesus. It wasn't a political move. It wasn't something that gained anything for him. As a matter of fact, he lost his reputation. He lost it all. He was once the top of the top of the top of the Jews. He was the favorite son of Israel. He had all of the good standing, and then he believed in Jesus and was completely rejected by his own people. And so we learn that there are times when you have to be willing to risk losing something for Christ. Because, again, this moment here that we have is fleeting. It's here, and then it's gone. The Bible talks about the human life is a vapor. It's just gone in an instant. But eternity lasts forever. So I would rather have a... a lose things here on earth to gain eternal life, to keep my focus on Christ so that I can have eternal life, because it's it, at the end of the day, it's worth whatever it is that we lose. And then one of the other things that we looked at not only that but paul's story we realized that christ jesus can actually get a hold of anybody again paul hated the name jesus he persecuted christians he killed them and yet he had an encounter with christ and he even tries to argue with jesus he he has a, an encounter with jesus he he puts his trust and faith in him And then Jesus specifically says, okay, you're going to go out and you're going to proclaim my name. You're going to tell the good news. You need to be a witness to everything that you saw. And he's like, oh, but Jesus, you don't understand. You don't know my reputation now. I've killed. I've done this. I've done that. There's no way I qualify for that. And Jesus said, forget it. That's been washed away. Go now and do as I'm telling you to do. Because you are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And through Christ Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven completely wipes away everything that we've done as long as we repent of our sins and put our trust completely in Jesus. And so anybody, everybody, no matter who you are, can come to know Christ and have him change your life completely. Now we're going to continue with the story and we're going to see what's going on with Paul because he he ended with something and we're going to see the crowd's reaction to what he's saying. But first, let's go ahead and pray. Holy Father, I thank you that you who worked in the early church works in us today, that you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. I ask you to help us to dive into this word That you've given us help us to look at this story not just as a nice story but that's something that we can put into practice in our lives that you are at work in the church here that we're reading about and so we need to be mindful and ready for you to be at work in us today bless this time in this service in jesus name amen so acts 22 22 through 24 and they listened to him until this word And when they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from this earth, for he's not fit to live. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust in the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so he might know why they shouted so against him. So here's what's happening. Paul spoke to these people in Hebrew. They stopped yelling at him because they were shocked. Oh, this man is a Jew. Let's hear him out. And they were perfectly fine with listening to him. They were listening intently until he said certain words, and they just lost it. And the words he dared to say was he was called to go to the Gentiles. This is what caused a major problem. This is why they're tearing their clothes. This is why they're throwing dust in the air. This is the the fact that Paul, right before this, in 21, said, Then he, Jesus, the Lord, said to me, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Now remember, Paul mentioned that Ananias declared that God chose Paul to know his will, to see the just one, to hear his voice, and to be sent out as a witness to all people who have what he has seen and heard. And the crowd at this point is perfectly fine with that. They are okay with what they are just hearing until the fact that Paul dared to say it included Gentiles. Once again, this great offense to the Jews is because they consider themselves better than Gentiles. They are God's chosen people. God gave the Jews the prophets and the law. God was the one whom the Messiah was going to come from. We are better than. And so you dare to tell me, through Paul's testimony, that God sees and calls and saves Jews and Gentiles equally. We both have to go through the same door. And they have a problem with that. Here's what a commentary says. The mob listened carefully up to this point because in their minds, they didn't mind this talk about Jesus, but they could not stand the idea that God might save Jews and Gentiles alike and in the same way. The message of Jesus that both Paul and the New Testament preached is this. You may come to God as you are, Jew, Gentile, foreigner, high in status, low in status, rich or poor, but you must all come to him through Jesus Christ. These Jews of that day did not have a problem with Gentiles becoming Jews, but they were incredibly, incredibly offended at the thought of Gentiles becoming Christians just as Jews became Christians, because it implies that Jews and Gentiles are equal, having to come to God on the same terms. Now, before we get really upset with the Jews of this time, and there's still some of that today, there's still certain Jewish groups. If you watch videos, um, there's a gentleman who will bring questions from outside of Israel to Orthodox Jews and different people within Israel, and they will say, are Jews and Gentiles alike? And there are some who say, well, of course, they're they're equal. That We don't have any problem. But there is still that remnant of, Well, we're God's chosen people. No, we are not equal. We are the ones God chose, so we're better than. But before we get really upset with that, humans always have a tendency to group themselves in as better than or lesser than in any particular sense. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, You know, being Italian-American, when the Italians first came here, There were signs up that said, Italians need not apply, no Italians allowed, until I guess we became white enough to be able to join in. I don't know what the deal was. But humans have always had that lesser than, better than kind of mentality. And sometimes it it even falls into the church, unfortunately. This kind of mentality happens in the church. We still have dirty Gentiles today, people that church people would dare not really associate with. They would consider lesser than and wouldn't dare associate with them. And it takes a wide range of forms. I mean, one of the big issues today is generational. And it goes both ways, the older generation to the younger, the younger to the older. The older will look at the new generation and go, that's not how church is done. That's not worship music. You've got to do it like this. This is how we've always done it. And then the younger generation will look down at the older generation and say, well, you're just a legalistic fuddy-duddy, and this is just how we're going to do it, and blah, 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 blah. Lesser than, greater than kind of mentality. It can be a language and cultural thing. As a matter of fact, we have a Spanish-speaking congregation that meets here. And one, one day we had a major cleaning day. We were taking down our Christmas decorations and they were deep cleaning. I mean, they got up on the rafters and they cleaned and we were doing all kinds of different things. And as a matter of fact, during this time they had music playing. It was blaring in the church while we were all cleaning and doing this. And it could have been the idea of I just I can't believe they're playing that darn loud Mexican music. Well, first of all, so what if it was? Who cares if it's Spanish Mexican music? Secondly, did you know that all of those songs that they played were Christian? Every single song of those was Christian. It was just a different language. Who cares? But see, we can have this, oh, well, they don't do church the way we do it, so it's wrong i hate to tell you this but jesus was not american nor did he speak english so christianity is not a regional thing it's not a white european thing that we brought from europe jesus does not belong to any particular culture he's he was jewish he came from the jews but he is for everybody he calls everybody because there is one god And he created everyone. Jew, Gentile, white, black, you speak this language, that language, there is one God, one creator. And so we need to be very, very careful. There's even denominational divides still to this day. There's videos and people who say, I've said this before, the Orthodox Church is the one true church. The Catholic Church is the one true church. The Protestant Church is the one true church. Those were the ones founded by Jesus. But again, the problem with that is if you read the Bible, if you actually read it, there is no divide because God does not support or is involved in any man-made institution. The church is not set up for man-made traditions. The one true church is, again, I don't care who you are, where you come from, what language, what your service looks like. If you have put your trust in, believe in, follow, and worship Jesus Christ, you are the one true church. You, that is the point. But we still have that greater than, lesser than. And we need to completely get out of that because look at what Jesus says in Luke, Luke 9. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for, if, for he who is not against us is on our side. Equal. I don't care who you are, what you've done, or where you come from. The problem is showing partiali- partiality or favoritism. You look like me, you talk like me, so I think you are right. When you start deeming people worthy of whatever or not worthy of whatever, that becomes a major issue. Look at James 2. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is every fellow human being on the planet. Pro tip, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So if your mindset is, well, you can come be a part of us, but you have to become like us, you already have a problem. It's the same mentality, and, and I haven't heard it in this church, but I've heard it a little wider is there's no possible way anyone from the LGBT community can come to know Jesus. There's no way. They're too far gone. I've heard this before. And if they do come to Christ, if they come to church, they better clean up their act first. Well, you didn't have to clean up your act first. Just come. And then the mentality is, you know, someone pops up and says, hey, I've... God has called me to preach to that community. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to go to them instead of waiting for them to come to me. And that's what God has called me to do. And the church will go, oh, God would never, how dare you say such a thing, that God would reach out his hand to that particular community? Yeah, because he reached out to you. You're as much of a sinner as anybody else. I'm as much of a sinner as anybody else. But he still reached out his hand and said, believe in me and be saved. He wishes for none to perish. There is no partiality. He never says that we have to clean ourselves up and then come to him. Again, the the fact of the matter is is the exact opposite. You have to come to me to be cleansed. You have to come to me, and then you will be cleaned up. So again, the whole partiality thing you know, how does someone who's gay, someone who's an atheist, someone, a drug addict, a, a, a dirty biker, how do they all come to Christ the same way each... Yeah, you heard me. <laughs> how do you come to Christ the same way everybody else does? You have to repent of your sins. And if you think you're too good and you haven't sinned very often, you sin once and you've broken the whole law you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust and say, Christ, I give you my life? It's completely and utterly equal. God is the great equalizer. There is no hierarchy within the human race. There is only God and then the rest of us. As a matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar learned this because he thought he was something, and God put him in his place, and this is what he declares, Nebuchadnezzar, For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth, all the inhabitants of the earth, are as reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? There's God, and then there's us. There's no better than, lesser than, or anything. The only way to God for every single person on the planet is through one man, Jesus Christ. We all have to go through the same gate. We all have to eat of the same bread of life. And we all have to put our trust in the same Savior. And Paul understood this, which is why he's getting so much flack for it. And which is why he's willing to be in the position he is currently in. And this is what we find out. We're going to continue in Acts 22. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, Take care what you do, for this man is a Roman." Then the commander came and said to him, "Tell me, are you a Roman?" He said, "Yes." The commander answered with a large sum, "I obtained this citizenship." And Paul said, "I was born a citizen." Then immediately they those who were with who were about to examine him withdrew from him, and the commander also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman because he had bound him. The next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, he released him from his bonds and commanded the chief priests and all the, their council to appeal and brought Paul down and set him before him before them. So I know this is going to be a little weird because Paul is actually Jewish, so why is he saying he's a Roman? It's all about citizenship. Remember, the big superpower of the time is the Roman Empire. Rome has taken over most... Of the known world, including Israel, including Judea. Now, here's the fun, here's the fact about this the fact that Rome, not everyone is immediately a Roman citizen. Okay, when when Rome would take over a a certain part, that does not mean that you are now citizens of, of the Empire of Rome. You were subjects, you were slaves sometimes to the empire of rome but you are not always a citizen it's not like the united states today you're born here you become a citizen you have all your rights all that good stuff that's not the way it is very few people during the roman times were official citizens so what it's saying is paul is saying he was born a citizen which more likely means that his parents or his grandparents or somebody did some great service to the empire and so rome Bless them with the privilege of becoming citizens. And with citizenship comes rights that we in this country, we just take for granted. We're all born with the same rights. But according to that time, there's citizens and then there's not. And without citizenship, the Romans could have done anything they wanted to Paul. Could have beat him, they could have killed him. They could have enslaved him. They could have done whatever they wanted to do because according to Roman law, if he wasn't a citizen, he has no rights. Who cares? So as soon as they found out he was a Roman citizen, all the scourging and all the stuff that they were about to do to him had to stop immediately. And as a matter of fact, they're taking him at his word. He doesn't have to show papers because if you lie about being a Roman citizen... It's punishable by death, so no one's really gonna do that unless you can back it up. And so now due process has to happen, finding out what's going on needs to happen, and they can't just do whatever they want to Paul for any particular reason, which is now why the commander is saying that they need to bring everyone in and they need to find out what's going on. So that's why they're bringing in the chief priests, the council, they're bringing in Paul to find out why this group of people are so mad at Paul. Now, here's the thing about Paul. He has not had the easiest life since he came to Christ. He has been arrested. He's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been thrown out of town. And with very, very few moments, he pulls out his Roman citizenship. There's very, very few times. So why now? Well, because Paul has a purpose. Paul has a calling that God has placed on him to continue to further stand before people and proclaim the good news of Christ. And if he had not said, hey, I'm a Roman citizen, they would have just probably beaten him or killed him or imprisoned him and just forget about it. You know, he would have just never, it would have been as if he had never existed. But, He uses his citizenship to continue to tell people about the gospel in the hopes that both Jew and Gentile alike will come to Christ. So here's the thing Paul gave everything that he had, dedicated his entire life to telling people about Jesus Christ. He realized that he was persecuted when he persecuted the very Lord he claimed to be serving. And then he finally understood that the trouble he got himself in, he personally experienced the free gift of forgiveness and salvation through Christ Jesus and wanted everyone to experience the same thing. Church, again, I don't care who you are or what's going on in your life, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this should be all of our attitudes. This should be our lifestyle. Okay, I don't, it doesn't matter whether you're called to be an evangelist or a pastor or whatever. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You serve Christ. You have been forgiven of your sins. The whole purpose of the church is to be the light of Christ to tell people about Jesus. We are all called to give an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus. We all should remember the evil and the darkness and the condemnation that Jesus Christ saved us from and turn our hearts to those who don't know him yet. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is our plea to the world. That should be if you are a believer in Christ. There's very few times where I will tell you, if you are a true believer in Christ, then. okay, it doesn't. I'm not saying if you're a true believer in Christ, you will only go to Liberty Church. I should be kicked off of this podium if I ever say something like that. But if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, if you are truly saved, if you truly repented, turned from your sins, put your faith in Christ, then the Father's heart and the Father's desires should be yours. And again, I say, God's desire is none should perish. We should know what we've been saved from. Hell is not a fun place where all our friends are going to be and we're going to listen to ACDC for eternity. It is a place of torment. It is a place of separation from God. It is a place that no one wants to go. It was designed for the devil and his angels. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be with him for all eternity. It is a place of complete and utter... It talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth. The um, everlasting worm that devours the eternal fire... It is not a place anyone wants to go. And if you have truly understood that that's what you've been saved from, and all anyone has to do is trust and believe in Jesus, then you don't want anybody else to go to that same place. Anybody. And I've said this before, but I've, I've had particular issues with my father. My father died when I was 17, And he was not the best father. I have a lot of problems with him. And I don't know right now where he is. I don't know. But as much problem and as much issues and as much as sometimes I wish he was alive so I can clock him right in the mouth, I would not wish hell on him. And that is not me. That is God, the Holy Spirit in me, giving me that desire. Because look at Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So again, if it doesn't bother you that there are people living without Christ who potentially will die and go to hell... Then you need to start reevaluating your state of salvation, in my opinion. Because again, God the Holy Spirit gives you the desires of the Father. The idea of people dying without Christ and being sent to eternal damnation, forever separated from God, if that doesn't give you pause, then the Bible says, like the Bible always talks about, examine yourself, see where you're at. Now, your desire, your calling might not be to specifically be an evangelist or a pastor or something, but everything within the church, the whole point of the church is to be a beacon of hope to this lost and dying world. And if you're not compelled to take up the calling in one way or another then again examine yourself and your priorities. I'm telling you this right now. Because God doesn't want anyone to perish and everyone to come to Christ. So again as we're going to go ahead and finish up chapter 22. And as we do that, we remember and understand that there is no one better or worse than anyone else. We all equally come to salvation in Christ Jesus. We all equally have to come before Christ. No matter who we are or what we've done, the same man for salvation for our sins is Jesus Christ alone. And because because of our salvation, again, I am not saying that you need to go out and preach the gospel in order to be saved. It is compelled through your salvation. Because I am saved, because the Holy Spirit is working in me, I am compelled to tell people that they don't have to go to hell. Because of salvation, we are compelled in any way we can to tell people the hope and grace that we have in Christ Jesus. And then I have one last verse. As the worship team, if you guys want to go ahead and come up, and then we'll go ahead and pray. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Again, there is one body and one spirit, just as one were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Let's pray. Holy Father, again, I thank you that. You are the great equalizer that we remember to not put our trust in our own flesh or our own status or our own spiritual state because everything comes from you. There is you and there is everyone else on the planet. You are the only one who is highest. You are the only king of the universe. There is no hierarchy, there is only you. So help us, Father, to give us your desires that all come to Jesus Christ for salvation. That all, anyone, everyone, everyone on the face of the planet, that we desire them to come to know Christ. Help us, Father, to play whatever part that you've called us to play. Holy Spirit, help us to understand the gifts that you have given us so that we can continue the mission on the earth of telling people about Jesus until he comes back. Bless everybody here. Lead them and guide them according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.